Thank you, Brother Ruben, the Ministry of Music and the Minister of Music for the ministry. We are so blessed and you're blessing others as well. And we thank you that the music that we are listening to is heavenly music, not earthly music. 
of the kingdom of God, but not of the kingdoms of this world. So let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you that we can continue in spite of all that is happening around us and yet to happen according to prophecy. We have a sure word of prophecy that day star that shall arise in our hearts is Christ himself. Christ the revelator, Christ the center and hope of all mankind. And really, the gospel that we preach today in its entirety, in its wholeness, as this whole gospel of Christ is. Send us the Holy Spirit. We need it. We don't deserve it, but we need it. And so we ask, seek, and knock for it as you instructed us. And the angels to guard us here and anywhere we go in these times, in this world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This is going to be an interesting, maybe not an ending, but in this uh, subject of the kingdom of God, if we understand the kingdom of God in this world versus the kingdom of man, we will understand why the title of this study is A Theocracy Today is Apostasy not better Christianity, remembering that Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. Now, what was ancient Israel's theocracy? That was the beginning. And I'm going to share with you note 11 of page 603 of the appendix of that wonderful book called Patriarchs and Prophets, pages 762 to 764. I've studied this in collection with other resources about the theocracy. Is it valid today? Is there any space? Is there any reason? Is there any justification to install a theocracy today? This study will show you that it is absolutely not needed and to continue to do so is to go against God's word when he revealed his own kingdom on this earth. And so I'm going to begin in this passage. The question has long been raised and is now much agitated. And not only continues to this very moment in history, but has and soon will become central and core to the final crisis facing mankind, the Church of God in particular, as given in the whole chapter of Revelation 13. The question is, if a theocracy was good in the time of ancient Israel, why would not a theoretical, theocratical form of government be equally good for this time? And the answer is easy. A theocracy is a government which derives its power immediately from God. The government of ancient Israel was a true theocracy. That was really a government of God, not man. At the burning bush, with that in Exodus uh, chapter 3, God commissioned Moses to lead his people, God himself, lead his people out of Egypt, 
And it says, by signs and wonders and mighty miracles multiplied, God delivered Israel from Egypt and led them through the wilderness and then finally to the promised land. And there in the promised land, he, God, ruled them by judges until Samuel the prophet, to whom when he was a child, God spoke and by whom he made known his will. Let's read that. It says, In the days of Samuel, the people asked that they might have a king. This was allowed with prior warnings from God. And God chose Saul, and Samuel anointed him king of Israel. But Saul failed to do the will of God, and as he rejected the word of the Lord, the Lord rejected him from being king. And he sent Samuel to anoint David as king of Israel. And then David's throne was to be established forevermore. When Solomon succeeded to the kingdom in the place of David his father, the record stands. First Chronicles 29-23 Then Solomon set on the throne of the Lord, not on the throne of David. Solomon sat on the throne of the Lord as king instead of David, his father, 1 Chronicles 29-23. You see, David's throne was actually the throne of the Lord. And Solomon sat on the throne of the Lord as king instead of over the earthly kingdom of God. Over the earthly kingdom of God was the throne of the Lord. The succession to the throne descended in David's line to King Zedekiah, who then, if you look at the history, was made subject to the king of Babylon, and who entered into a solemn covenant with God that he would loyally render allegiance to the king of Babylon. He made a covenant, but Zedekiah broke his covenant, and then God said to Zedekiah, this is recorded in Ezekiel 21, 25 to 27. Listen to this carefully. Thou profane wicked prince of Israel, whose days come, when iniquity shall have an end, thus saith the Lord God, Remove the diadem and take off the crown. This shall not be the same. Exalt him that is low and abase him that is high. And then, mind you, God says to the prophet, I will overturn, overturn, overturn it three times. And it shall be no more until... He comes whose right it is, and I will give it to him. Interesting in that. God says, I will overturn, overturn, overturn. The kingdom then was subject to Babylon. When Babylon fell and Medo-Persia succeeded it, it was overturned the first time. 
when Medo-Persia fell and was succeeded by Greece, it was overturned the second time. When the Greek Empire gave way to the Roman Empire, it was overturned the third time. Then, as we just read in the Word, it says it shall be no more until he come whose right it is, and I will give it to him. That is the kingdom. Who is, says, who is, whose right it is. Well, in Luke one thirty-one to 33, we read, Then shall they call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and he shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord shall give him the throne of his father, David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. And while he was here on earth as the prophet, Deuteronomy 18, 15 to 18, a man, sorrow, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, Isaiah 53, the night in which he was betrayed by Judas, his disciples, he himself declared, my kingdom is not of this world. And so that throne of the Lord has been removed from the world and will be no more until he come whose right it is. And then it shall be given to him. And at that time is the end of the world. And then it is the beginning of the world to come. Well, on, on, on page 763 of the appendix, it says to the 12 apostles, the Savior said, I appoint you a kingdom as my Father hath appointed unto me that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on the thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Luke 22, 29, and 30. From uh, the disciple Matthew's account of Christ's promise to the 12, we learn when that will be fulfilled. It says, and Matthew writes, in the regeneration when the Son of Man shall sit on the throne of his glory, you shall also sit upon the twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel, Matthew 19.28. In the parable of the talents, Christ represents himself under the figure of a nobleman, who says, who, it says he went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. Luke 19, verse 12. And Jesus himself has told us when he shall sit upon the throne of his glory. Again, we covered that last time. When the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory, and before him shall be gathered all nations. Matthew 25, 31, 32. It is to this time that John, the Revelator, as he is often referred to, but it's Christ really the Revelator. 
He looks forward when he says and writes, the kingdom of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever, Revelation 15. The context clearly shows when this shall take place. Revelation 11, 18 says, The nations were angry, and thy wrath is come, and the time of the dead, that they should be judged, and that thou shouldest give reward unto thy servants, the prophets, and to the saints, and to them that fear thy name, small and great, and shouldest destroy them who destroy the earth. That's a very interesting phrase there. He will destroy those who destroy the earth as well. It is at the time of this final judgment, the reward of the righteous and the punishment of the wicked, that the kingdom of Christ will be set up. When all who oppose the sovereignty of Christ have been destroyed, the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. Then, not now, then Christ will reign then at the time as king of kings and lord of lords. Revelation 19 verse 6. And then we go back to Daniel. And the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High. Something to look forward to. And the saints of the Most High shall take the kingdom and possess that kingdom forever. Even forever and ever. Daniel 7, 27 and 28. Until that time, the kingdom of Christ cannot be established on earth. His kingdom is not of this world his followers are not to account themselves, actually they are to account themselves as strangers and pilgrims on earth. Apostle Paul says that our citizenship is in heaven, from whence also we wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, Hebrews 11.13 and Philippians 3 verse 20. Our citizenship is in heaven. Now, since the kingdom of Israel passed away, God has never delegated any authority to any man or any body of men or organization or nation or church to execute his laws as such. What did he say clearly in Romans 12, 19, quoting the Old Testament? Vengeance is mine saith the Lord, Romans 12, 19. And I'm continuing to quote from this. It says, civil governments have, not, have to do with relations to man, with man, but they have nothing whatsoever to do with the duties that grow out of man's relation to God, except for the kingdom of Israel, no government has ever existed on the earth in which God, by inspired man, directed the affairs of the state. Whenever men have endeavored to do 
for such a government as that of ancient Israel, they have of necessity taken it upon themselves to interpret and to enforce the law of God. They have assumed the right to control the conscience, and thus they have usurped the divine prerogatives of God. In the former dispensation, while sins against God were visited with temporal penalties, terrible, the judgment executed were not only by divine sanction, but actually under his direct control and by his command. Examples, sorcerers were put to death. Idolaters were to be slain. Profanity and sacrilege were punished with death. And whole nations of idolaters were to be exterminated. But the infliction of these penalties was allowed by him who reads the hearts of men, who knows the measure of their guilt, and who deals with his creatures in wisdom and mercy. But when men, with human frailties and passions, undertake to do this work, it needs no argument to show that the door is now open to unrestrained injustice and cruelty. The most inhuman crimes will be perpetrated, as it was in the Dark Ages, and all of that will be done in the sacred name of Christ. And so from the laws of Israel, which punished offenses against God, Arguments have been drawn to prove the duty of punishing similar sins in this age. All persecutors have employed them to justify their deeds. The principle has delegated to human authority the right to control the conscience is the very foundation of religious tyranny and persecution. But all who reason thus lose sight of the fact that we are now living in a different dispensation under conditions totally different from those of ancient Israel. That the kingdom of Israel was a type of the kingdom of Christ, again, which will not be set up until his second coming and that the duties which pertain to man's relation to God are not to be regulated and enforced by human authority. Remember this passage from the book, Ezekiel, overturn, 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 until he whose right is come, and that kingdom transfers to him. That is a short thing, but it is nevertheless a profound message that we need to understand, and we will wind up next time with what will be the final apostasy, when men and religion, state and church, will attempt to reinforce, reinvent the last day apostasy of a so-called theocratic form of government. May God help us to understand what is coming 
Because to be forewarned is to be forearmed. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father Heaven, we thank you so much for undertaking this effort through divine means, utilizing human channels in order to disseminate the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. There's no lie in this truth. For the Bible says, no lie is of the truth, and vice versa. And since you are the way, the truth, and the life, those who follow you will be similar in thought, in word, in action, especially in doctrines. Help us, Lord, to follow you, and you only. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.